You absolutely cannot officiate from the driver's seat. We'll talk about that and more from Wednesday's high limit issues, plus other results and news from Eagle Chassis. Let's go. It's Thursday, June 1st. I'm Justin Fiedler. This is Dirt Tracker Daily. We'll get into the results and what's coming up in a bit, but I'm going to start to show off today with what happened around that first high-limit heat race last night at Tri-City. If you don't know or weren't watching, everything was going fine until the last two laps of that opening heat. Rico Abreu was leading over Kyle Larson and Justin Sanders and really driving away. But after taking the white flag, Rico slowed suddenly down the backstretch. Larson and Sanders both had to take evasive action, and the yellow was thrown as a result. In the moments after, it became clear that Rico thought the race had ended. With two to go, the flagman showed the green flag to the field, which is not uncommon at certain short tracks, but maybe not as common for sprint car guys. Green is two to go, then white, then checkered. But with the glare from the setting sun, there was confusion, and Rico apparently thought the green was the white, and then that the white was the checkered. It was unfortunate, but that was his mistake. As others have pointed out, you usually stay on the hammer until the yellow lights come on, but he didn't do that. The initial call from the officials for the restart was for Rico to blend back into the field, either end up third or fourth, but there seemed to be some discussion as to what exactly the right call was. USAC's Kirk Spridgen was race directing, and he tweeted late last night that it was his call to throw the yellow, and he was going to blend Rico into third. In my own opinion, that probably should have been the call, although I think there's a case to be made that Rico should have gone to the rear. As things were getting communicated out on the receiver, though, Larson rolled to a stop on the front stretch and had a conversation with series director Tommy Estes. In the moment, we don't know, uh, in, uh, in the moment, we didn't know what was said, but Rico was then put back in the lead and went on to the heat race win. The announcer said it was called an inadvertent yellow, which was why Rico was given the spot back. But that seemed to make it pretty clear that Larson had influence on the decision. With Rico getting the spot back, Justin Sanders was then left out of the dash, and that angered the Swindell team. Jordan Swindell took to Twitter to complain, and there were lots of other not-so-good reactions from people who have respect in the industry. The saga wasn't over there, though. They did the dash draw like they would normally do, but then when the cars were uh, were rolled out for the dash, Sanders was out there as the ninth car. He started ninth, finished ninth, but didn't get a chance to draw for a spot. When the dash was complete, Brad Sweet got on the mic with Chris Wilner and explained the situation, the decision-making, and why they put Sanders in the dash. Uh, Brad coming out to speak was the right thing to do, and kudos to him for owning up to the issues. The only real problem I have with what went down was Larson getting involved in any way. I don't think he was doing anything nefarious, and I'm sure his intentions were good. He felt Rico was wronged by the flags and was trying to fix it. I think a lot of people would have felt and acted similarly. But when you're in the car, series owner or not, you have to stay out of the officiating. And clearly Brad agreed. With Wilner, he said, quote, I don't think it was good to have uh, Kyle get out of his car and be a part of the officiating process, unquote. It looks bad for Kyle. It looks bad for High Limit. It looks bad for Rico. And it undermines the guys you have in place to make those decisions. If you're going to bring in veteran guys like Tommy, like Spridge, you have to stay out of the way and let them handle it. If those guys make the wrong calls, then those guys will have to wear it. But it looks even worse to get in the middle. It looks like you're influencing things from the top. It's just not good. 
One of the criticisms from the start for High Limit was that this would just be a way for the rich to get richer in sprint car racing, and situations like last night don't aid in changing that view. I also think it's important to point out, if this happens with the World of Outlaws or USAC or the All-Stars, the blowback would be massive. I do think they will learn from this though, and again, big kudos to Brad for being transparent about the process and trying to make things sort of right by putting the 39 in the dash. In the night's feature, Larson was scheduled to start on the front row uh, with Parker Price Miller, but agreed to a modified uh, dice roll that saw him start eighth. Once green, uh, he was on the move early and often and was eventually promoted to second past halfway when PPM got big tight on the cushion and went for a ride. After the restart, he and Rico traded sliders for a few laps for the lead, with Larson eventually taking over for good on lap seven. He became the first repeat high-limit winner. He got $23,000 for the win and an additional $8,000 for dropping back through the field. Rico ended up second with Corey Eliason charging from 13th to finish third. The win for Larson extended his series points lead to 37 over Anthony Macri. Uh, Rico is in third right now. It was a tough night for several drivers, including Cole Macedo, Tyler Courtney, Brent Marks, and Danny Dietrich. Macedo and Courtney were victims of a first lap crash that also included Brady Bacon and Buddy Kofoid. Dietrich broke a valve spring while leading and slowed suddenly, collecting Marks. Uh, Marks kind of rolled away, but then the front end was clearly knocked out of it, and he pounded the turn three wall. Uh, I was impressed with Aussie uh, Lachlan McHugh last night. He went 15th to 8th uh, driving for Brandon Eikenberry. Uh, High Limit is back next Tuesday night at Eagle Raceway for another big midweek show. One other sprint car note for you today, this one involving Eagle Chassis. Back on March 31st, I did a daily show about Speedway Motors closing down the EMI business, uh, which is the brand of chassis utilized by several big drivers, including Larson and Rico. Chase Randall is also an Eagle driver, and up until recently actually had EMI on his wing sideboards. But apparently Eagle isn't dead just yet. They are supposedly re-emerging as an independent business. They've secured a shop and are already doing some repair work in advance of production restarting. A formal announcement could come sometime in the next week. I think that'll be good news for those teams that use Eagles. Elsewhere last night, the Flow Racing Night in America late models were at Florence for their final race before the summer break. Bobby Pierce led most of the feature, uh, but cautions helped keep Jonathan Davenport and Ricky Thornton Jr. in the mix. After a late restart, RTJ was able to get by Davenport for second, and then inside 10 to go, the battle for the lead was on. The cushion got really treacherous. Uh, Pierce made a couple of mistakes that allowed RTJ to get close enough to start throwing sliders. The 20RT took over for good on lap 44 and drove away to the victory. Nice bounce back, uh, definitely a boost for uh, Thornton after that show me 100 penalty. That team continues to show they are going to be a serious contender everywhere they go this season. Pierce settled for second on the night with Davenport in third. Hudson O'Neill went 16th to 5th, and he maintains the points lead by 24 over Pierce. We won't see the Flow Series now uh, until September when they come out of hibernation for a mid-month stop at Fairbury. Uh, looking ahead, there is plenty more dirt lay model racing to come this week. Chris Madden leads the World of Outlaws into a three-race weekend starting tonight at Farmer City. Tri-City and Paducah then follow on Friday and Saturday. This could be a very good weekend for Pierce to make up ground on Madden in the standings. He's won at both Tri-City and Farmer City in outlaw competition in the past. Uh, Lucas begins a big weekend at West Virginia starting tomorrow. We'll talk about that on Friday. Uh, over to Western PA Speed Week, Brandon Spithaller dominated the Speed Week opener at Knox last night, winning by nearly 11 seconds. Uh, Western PA Speed Week will do it all over again tonight with a stop at Pittsburgh's PA Motor Speedway. Uh, make sure to check out AJ Flick's Twitter account this week. He's keeping a running thread of their Speed Week adventures through Sunday. 
Uh, at Tri-City tonight, uh, actually, High Limit was there last night. Uh, Extreme Outlaws are there tonight. Uh, the Extreme Outlaw Midget Series back racing. Kenan McIntosh looking to stay hot. He's won four of seven races this season. Leads Chase McDermott and Jade Avedisian in the standings. After tonight, Extreme will be at Wayne County in Illinois on Friday and Saturday. Neither of these tracks have appeared uh, on the Extreme schedule in the past, but both have hosted big-time midget shows. Uh, I screwed up yesterday. I forgot to include the new podcast episode, which I usually spotlight on Wednesday. So instead, we'll do it today. Uh, Wing Nation has Lance DeWeese and Tyler Beichner. Quick Time has Tyler Drukey. Dirt Tracks and Ribrax has Zach Hampton. All Gas, No Brakes has Ross Bales and more. Doomwich on Dirt has Kyle Jenks. Non-Wing Worldwide has CJ Leary. And there are new episodes of the Dirt Reporters from Dirt on Dirt, Dirt Track Confessions, Hoagie's Garage, and Dirt Track Weekly. To see all the shows and new episodes, head over to dirttracker.com slash podcasts. That's it for the show today. Make sure to stop by dirttracker.com slash watch tonight to see today's streaming schedule. Hope you guys have a good Thursday out there. We'll see you right back here tomorrow. 